You're listening to the Community Pulse Podcast, a podcast on developer relations, community management, and everything in the tech community spectrum. Welcome your hosts, Mary Fengball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty. All right. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Community Pulse. My name is Jason Hands, and with me uh, today, we've got my co-host, Mary Thingval. Say hello there, Mary. Hey, everyone. And uh, with us is our guest, Dan Thomas, and we're going to be talking about uh, how to create video content and when's the right uh, time and place and all the different great information that Dan can talk to us about uh, video creation. But before we do any of that, um, let's actually uh, talk a little bit about one of our uh, sponsors that's been uh, helping us out with uh, all of the episodes this year, uh, which would be IBM. So um, IBM would like to know, are you building cloud applications with Java, AI, machine learning, serverless, and containers? IBM Developer provides a large number of code, plat code patterns, sample applications, articles, tutorials, and videos to help you build faster. All code is available on GitHub. You can incorporate any code into existing applications or use it to start a new application. Simply go to developer.ibm.com to access IBM developer resources and start building. Also, you can find them uh, on Twitter at, uh, at IBM developer. All right. So with that, let's, uh, let's welcome our guest, Dan Thomas. Hello, Deb. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Good to see you both. Nice to be uh, nice to be on your podcast. I'm very excited. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We did a little bit of a podcast swap here. It works well. We did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of which, is your book out now? It is. It oh, is. Oh yes. Out, right. Came out in October, so it's been a few months, and it's going well. Wow, I, I missed that. No worries. <laughs> now I feel bad for missing it. <laughs> it's okay. It's been a it's been a few few busy months with conferences and and everything else that's been going on. So, Amazing. how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I'm Dan Thomas. I work as a uh, consultant uh, supporting organizations change uh, through digital transformation um, and through behavioral and habitual uh, transformation. Um, but I also support individuals and creators achieve what they're looking to achieve. Um, so really about how you follow your passion uh, by creating content, growing communities, and succeeding. That's my key focus. Awesome. 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 Um, and we have you on here today to talk a little bit about video content. And we all know, you know, there's a ton of written content out there these days. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a bunch of podcasts going on now from various companies. But video content, at least to, at least to me, seems to still be fairly new, even though it's growing pretty quickly. Is that a correct assessment or am I just behind the times? I think it's new to anybody who isn't currently producing video content, right? The, the, the channel of video um, isn't new anymore, um, right. but it's always going to feel new to anybody who isn't actively producing a lot of video. And that is 99% of people. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. So what, what led you to get involved in video content in the first place? Uh, for me, I really wanted to start experimenting. A lot of the work I do with clients, everybody's talking about video. Um, like video is the new thing. It's, it's video has been around a long time. Um, but video really has the ability to be able to impact and tell stories and take someone to another level. But it also has the ability to be able to be repurposed into every single other type of social media content 
that is out there. Um, and it's especially uh, useful for driving engagement in communities as well. So for me, in order to advise clients on that, I really said to myself, if I want to be a good advisor to this, I have to be a practitioner. And if I'm going to be a practitioner, I'm going to take it as far as I can into probably, I would say, probably the scariest space that is video practicing, which would be vlogging. Um, just because it's, it, you know, it's, it's the most continuous, the most personal space that you could kind of put video. And I said to myself, well, I really want to be that practitioner so I can pass on everything that I've learned to the people that I'm talking about and I can help those people overcome the difficulties and the worries and the challenges that this format uh, creates. Uh, so that, that was really much more than it was part of the challenge to say, you know, uh, I truly believe that you need to be a practitioner and something to advise on that. And I say that because a lot of people aren't in, in many fields. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> cool. What, what's the, some of the process for you in creating new videos? Let's, let's start there. What do you, what are the tools that you need? What are some of the things that you think through as you get started? If, if someone's looking into the possibility of creating video, where do they need to, to go first? Absolutely. Well, the first place you need to go is internally. Um, you need to kind of just sit down and have a think about what it is that you want. Um, anyone can create video, um, but in our ever-changing noisy world, uh, there is no one video that's going to do it for you. Um, if you want to be a video creator, you're going to need to create a lifestyle that is creating video on a continuous basis, whether that be, you know, quick throw up videos, even whether that just be filming yourself on Instagram stories every day, or whether you go the whole hog and start a YouTube channel and, and grow a YouTube channel. Um, you know, creating video is, is something that you need to do on a continued basis and, and provide consistency for people. So what you need to do is look inwards to say, well, what is it that I want to talk about? Because whatever you decide you want to talk about is what you're going to be lumbered with for the next year or two years or however long you want to do this for. So if you choose a topic that you kind of you're not passionate about, um, it's going to fizzle out and you're going to struggle to maintain the video um, aspect of that as well. And that's not to say that you can't broaden what you talk about over time, but when you first start, in order to gain your audience, you have to be really honing in on a niche um, and honing in on something that people identify you as and want to follow you for until you grow up enough of a subscriber base. So depending on what it is that you want to talk about, that's going to depend on where the audience is placed, which is going to depend, which is going to, change how you would go about creating your video and then what tools you would ultimately need to create that video. Um, that being said, of course, you know, anyone can create video at any time with whatever they've got in their pocket. Um, so from a tool perspective, it's not so much about the tools. A tool is only useful if it enables you to do something you couldn't do previously. Um, so if you buy into tools, to try and make yourself do something through obligation, oftentimes you find you end up with a whole lot of tools and not a lot of motivation. And that's because you haven't tapped into that inner voice to say, I just want to get my message out there. That should be the thing that you really focus on. What is the thing that you're bursting at the seams to talk about? Because then, then you'll be willing to get that message out there however you can and the video will grow incrementally as you 
want to start up in your game and you you start understanding the medium better um but if you try and overwhelm yourself with too many tools in the first instance especially if you don't have a background in video it's actually going to make the whole habit so much harder to do because you'll get in the room and then you'll you know you'll turn a monitor on then you'll turn the camera on then you'll set up the lights then you set up the sound and the more time that goes by you're you're getting less and less motivated to actually do um so really is the right tool is whatever is going to not block you from doing that's the right tool so dan in in terms of um the first few messages that you put out when you're starting kind of starting your own vlog let's say and you're really yeah. trying to get that message um, that you're behind and that you feel really you know, passionate about, what, what are the first couple things that you, that you want to put out to the world? Is it just an introduction to yourself? Is it um, uh, something, I mean, wh what would you suggest, I guess? I think it's, the first message you want to put out there is, why should people watch you? You know, what's in it for them? People watch video for a prolonged period in order to get value out of it, just like they listen to a podcast to get value out of it. The stuff that they skip past is the stuff that doesn't add value to those individuals. Um, and the world is huge enough such that anything you talk about, literally any subject you have in mind, you know, that it could be cat-shaped donuts, there will always be an audience for that particular thing, however broad, however narrow that is, right? But what you need to do is tap into that. So the best thing you can do to start with and say, this is who I am. This is what I want to talk about. When you tune into videos, this is the value that you're going to see. And come with me, you know, join me on this journey. That's, that's the best way to do it is just be really kind of transparent about it. Um, and depending on the format that you're doing, if, if you're doing a sort of presented YouTube format where you're doing kind of tutorials, you might be breaking something down into steps and it might be quite size. So if, you, if you can do doing something like vlogging, um, then you have an element of personality and, and lifestyle to it. And, that, and that's kind of different, but we, we can go into vlogging more specifically. But your first message is, what, what are you looking to do? What's the value? And why should people tune into you? Great. And then obviously you hit on a real important part about when um, it gets a little bit difficult when all of a sudden what, what used to be fun for us to do in terms of putting yeah. content out all of a sudden starts to feel like work because yeah. we've tested all these different tools and uh, maybe made some commitments that, you know, we wouldn't otherwise to, to do some different things. What are some other things that um, are, uh, maybe cause for difficulty in terms of creating content on a consistent basis, especially if you want to try to get something out like, you know, daily, what, what mm. else really, um, you know, hamstring you and in, in getting there. The biggest thing would be the fact that you will get no comments and no subscribers for ages. <laughs> That's the biggest thing, you know, okay. it's, you have to enjoy the process. Right, you have to really enjoy what you're doing and be in it for the process um, and not the reward. Um, especially when it comes to vlogging, you will grow so slowly, right? The videos that you create, they, they won't, it's not going to be viral. It's not going to be something that just blows up the internet. It's not going to be something you have to really look at the comments that you're getting and the very, very few people that you're talking about. And it's like that, that theory of you're growing your 
tribe of a thousand, right? You've got to look at those key people and really just throw yourself into and be receptive of and thankful for the people that you have rather than trying to chase the numbers of the people that you want. Otherwise, you're going to get really, really demotivated by the whole process. Um, and I think that's the number one reason why people quit. Um, it's because they're not seeing the results that they expect. Oftentimes they can't quantify the results that they expect. Um, and the funny thing about all of this stuff is you move towards those results so slowly that it, it, when you hit those milestones, it doesn't actually feel like the big milestone that you were kind of going after ages ago, right? You, you, with your podcast, I'm sure you've been looking at your number of downloads and, and waiting for the thousands to tick over, right? And maybe you think, oh, you know, a year ago, we were just going for the 10K. But, then, but when that goes up 20 downloads at a time over one day at a time over a two-year period and you finally reach 10K, it doesn't feel like a huge milestone anymore, does it? It's, it's kind of more incremental. Right, um, right. It's still, it's still worth celebrating, but it's harder to, to celebrate when it's, you know, you're waiting for those last 20 yeah. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. For it's, sure. it's the slow process. You have to enjoy the process. Mm. If you can enjoy the process, then that's going to be the thing that keeps you there um, and keeps you going. If you can't do that, if you can't get past the stats, a, cl a classic way to tell whether you're going to enjoy the process is if you create a blog post and five minutes after you create the blog post, you go to Google Analytics, you may have a worry about <laughs> whether you really enjoy the blog post process or not. Fair, fair. <laughs> totally understood. And I do it. Everybody does it, right? But if, 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 if when you look at those analytics, that is genuinely affecting your emotional state when you see the big zero, um, that's going to be a mindset shift that you're going to want to start training yourself around and start enjoying it more for what it is. Definitely. You mentioned something interesting. You said the first few interactions, the first few comments that you get, you really want to nurture those relationships. Yeah. Um, and I actually, when I was doing some prep for this episode, went and checked out your YouTube channel and I've watched your videos over time, but actually went and looked at like, okay, what are the comments? How's the, you know, is it typical YouTube where half of it is just <laughs> trash and, and half of it is, you know, okay. And there's a handful of really, really good comments. And I noticed that your, the engagement that you specifically have on YouTube is unlike most YouTube interactions that I've seen. Like your followers are kind, they're considerate, mm. they're genuinely interested in your content. What have you done to really curate or moderate that audience? And if you have had to do a lot of moderation, how do you handle bad interactions and trolls along the way? Yeah, I personally haven't had a lot of moderation, but then, you know, my YouTube channel doesn't have a huge amount of subscribers. So it's not, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say, you know, I'm, I'm smashing targets over here. Right. Um, but um, some of those people came um, from the communities that I'd grown um, in organizations. I get to know um, people, um, you know, quite specifically. Um, you'll notice, hopefully, unless I've missed one, I'll, I'll, I always respond to every single comment regardless yeah. of that. Um, I think that is just a community growth um, strategy, um, whichever way you cut it, right? You, you've got to respond to every single comment in a community. If you create content for other people and then you ignore those people, I just think the audacity of that is you know is really difficult to understand right you you should be 
really really thanking those people for taking the time to comment um and be part of that as well um and then just you know just have an open conversation really um nobody's got all the answers and nothing you say or do can apply to everybody in every situation and if you keep that um in your mind as well as understanding context then that's going to help you have better conversations everybody has a different context according to what it is that is important at the time what they see what they hear what they do um, kind of thing and and you don't know the context behind how they've gotten to you what part they've joined in the video what you've said before what their assumptions are all of this stuff so you have to assume that people aren't being you know negative or hostile really they they just don't they just may well have a different context than you have um, and i think if you keep that in mind then generally they're, they're really really such a thing as a bad comment per se really not 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 when you're at this kind of scale you know when you get really really big you might get that but even even negative comments have some kind of seed of truth to them where you're thinking what is it that's brought them to say that and is there something that i should be aware of and then you should just kind of look introspectively to say is this person touching on something that i should consider and am i motivated to push progress that or not and if not then that's fine uh you know people people make their own choices whether you want to follow you or not <laughs> yeah that's not up to you to decide right. that's you you just keep adding as much value as possible mm -hmm. Well, and I like, I like that observation, especially with the, you know, be open and willing to, to take their comments, even if they're difficult to, to take that information in and to consider, you know, where the, the seed of truth might be. Um, that actually relates really closely back to what we talked about in our last episode, right? About being influenced or being an influencer or having a platform and things like that. And the idea of, you know, people who are true influencers are, are willing to have conversations and willing to be open to the possibility that they're wrong or that they need to rethink something or mm -hmm. that they're coming at it from a different angle. Right. So I love, I love that that thread is continuing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't be an influencer if you are not willing to be influenced. Right. <laughs> it's exactly. kind of a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Um, influence of people, I think, influence of people that are able to bring people up and bring people with them and bring people on a journey. Um, and in order to do that, you need to have a degree of wisdom. Um, and in order to gain wisdom, you need to listen to feedback. Um, yeah. If you can't do that, um, I, I just don't think you're considered as that. Not, not that I would ever kind of label myself as an influencer um, in that. What I'm just looking to do is trying to empower other people to do you know, what they need to do. If they, if they consider that to be influential on them, that's great. But I wouldn't ever label myself as an influencer. It's in, being influenced is in the eye of the receiver, um, not of the giver. Yeah. So Dan, if, uh, if, you, if you thought of all of the different content that's, that you kind of have available to you that you're creating, whether that's a blog, whether that's um, you know, some sort of um, video content, it could be a vlog, could be an interview, whatever it is, how do you decide what, like where to put your effort and where to put your energy and, and what's giving you the best return on investment, so to speak? Like, how do you measure those things? How do you, how do you sort of slice up the pie uh, when there's only so many hours in the day? 
<laughs> well, I, um, I've started documenting now, um, which is the biggest thing um, for me that's kind of driven me forward. Um, and when I say documenting, any interactions, any calls that I make, anything I do, I video them, I capture them in some way. Um, and that allows me to repurpose that content um, into other, other mediums. Um, so I'll use, I'll, I'll take this video, for example, um, and I'll pull out quotes of things that I've said from this podcast and I'll put them up on Instagram. Um, or I'll take clips and I'll turn them into video memes um, and I'll put them up on Facebook. You know, uh, I'll repurpose all of, all of this stuff. Um, and that takes the time out of cross-network um, posting down significantly. It just wouldn't be possible. It just wouldn't be possible to cover all the networks otherwise. Um, so I find documenting has been very, very liberating um, for me um, in terms of content production. I'm never at a point where I ever need to think about what it is I want to talk about. Um, so when I document, I kind of capture everything that I've talked about and then I pick out key themes from the day that I find interesting or that I've talked about over that day. Um, so I might be working on something specific and I try and kind of look past that and say, oh, hmm, what's the theme behind this? And then I'll take the footage that I've had from the day and I'll, I'll sort of repurpose it and say, oh, today I've talked about different aspects of influencing, for example. And then I'll make that the theme of the day, whether that be you know, video or, or a podcast or anything like that. Um, and I've recently changed my podcast. Uh, initially, it was called the Teamwork Podcast. Now I've called it the Dan Thomas Experience Podcast. Um, and the reason why I call it that is because now you're like literally stepping into the rooms, into the conversations I'm having. Um, because what I was finding with my podcast is I spent about a year doing my team, teamwork podcast and I was providing people the recipes for like growing communities, taking action and collaborating in their business. Um, the problem was when I talked to those people, they weren't executing on any of the things that I told them. <laughs> and I was like, why not? I've, got, I've shown you exactly how to do it. What's going on? Um, and the more conversations I had, the more I realized that the reason they're not executing is because they have blockers whether that be their own personal blockers, organizational blockers, whether that be fear, motivation, they've got blockers that are preventing them from actually going ahead and, and taking action on stuff. And for me, the way I thought, well, the way I'm going to help people with that is I'm going to bring them into the conversations of all the other people that have blockers, all the other people that have struggles. And I'm going to show you what a conversation looks like. I'm going to help people see what each other's blockers are in order to be able to help them execute um, on whatever challenges that they have. And, and for me, that has been a really, really interesting development um, in the podcast, both it aligns with documenting, um, but also adds a whole new kind of narrative to the podcast. And it also means I can kind of drop into the podcast at different times. So sometimes I'll be posting every day or every couple of days, whatever I think is beneficial around thematically what I'm thinking about or talking about, I can drop in and post it. Um, and it's been really, really, really interesting to, to try it out. I like that a lot. Cool. Uh, I have one more, one more kind of bigger topic question before we head into checkouts today. Um, sure. I'd love to explore a little bit. You mentioned at the very beginning that you've been encouraging your clients to be doing more video as a way to connect with their community. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that, um, how that works, why it's different, how effective that is, what you've seen, kind of some of the things you've observed along the way. 
Yeah. Um, I'll just frame that to say most of the time I encourage them not to do video. Okay. The, re the reason is <laughs> all the reasons they want to do video are bad reasons. <laughs> right. Um, the thing with video is if, if you are super, super uncomfortable on camera, right, you are not going to come across well on video and that's going to be to your detriment. Um, especially if it's a leader and, you, and then you get that leader thing where they're just kind of rattling off their agenda on Monday. I did this and on Tuesday I did this, right? It, it doesn't do anybody any favors. It makes the leader look inauthentic and boring. It's not connecting with people. It takes more production time. It, it doesn't create good outcomes um, for people. Um, so, you know, I would say, first of all, there are so many, different channels of content that you can create and you should follow the one that you're passionate about podcasts i love podcasts because the barrier to entry is so low you don't have to be on camera you literally just need a microphone that will cost you you know 20 quid and you're good to go i mean even the podcasting services are free um so it now allows you to try something new so i, so I first thing i say is choose the medium the best resonates with you and you might grow into something else. You might grow into video. Once you start hearing yourself, the biggest thing that people can't get over on video is seeing themselves. People, people find it hard enough to hear themselves, right? Oh, I hate the way my voice sounds. <laughs> seeing yourself on video. That's, that's hard. That's a hard road to go through. Um, so yeah, I encourage people to ease into it if they're not someone that's just, you know, actively jumping, um, straight out to do it. Um, but that being said, for the people that are adopting video, I think you, you've got a few different things that you can do in video that work really well and I've seen work really well um, in organizations. The first one is uh, how to, right? You take a tool, you take an option, you share your knowledge of what you do and you create a video for it as well. You do a little combination between face to camera, screen sharing, and you put that out into knowledge communities that you know are particularly interested in whatever you're sharing. Uh, it's usually very, very high value adding, very well received because very few people are doing it. Um, and it's quite easy to do, right? So how to, I think is the easiest way for organizations to do it. And that, that's where I see that working. And especially from an organizational standpoint, you've also got the whole knowledge sharing aspect of how to, um, and knowledge transparency, which is, which is a big deal in collaboration. Um, so the first one you could do is, how to the second one you do is inspirational stuff and i see some really good people doing this the people that are willing to put their opinions out there and really kind of talk about what they're passionate about that works really well um whether that be videos about charitable things whether that be behind the scenes of talks and pulling out quotes and pulling out things that have inspired you and passing on that inspirational stuff inspirational stuff works well and you don't have to be a leader to be doing this um if you just if, if all you do in your videos is just reflect on the things that resonated with you that you see out there and you just curate stuff that goes down really well a lot of people really um want to see that and then the last one is is the documenting side which really gives people that you know behind the scenes insight into the stuff that you're doing now in my experience, I've yet to see anybody do that um, effectively uh, within, within large organizations, except for 
one person who I'll mention at the end who is doing it incredibly um, and is, is basically my hero. Um, but in, you know, in generally in organizations, documenting isn't happened. It's done. The, the problem with video is too many people try and present the video. And I started doing this when I started doing video, I'm, I'm kind of presenting and I was like, Dan, what are you presenting for? <laughs> Hi everybody. Today I'm going to do this. It's like I'm on, like, <laughs> it's like I'm on a TV right. show. Right. So Rather script, than just having a conversation with folks. Exactly. Rather than just literally just playing the conversation and, you know, yeah. just, just chopping it up. Um, I think if you can get to the point where you're not presenting what you do and you just, you just literally just creating, you know, that behind the scenes look into whatever it is that you're talking about, mm -hmm. that works really well. You know, I have seen some people start on that path, um, but I've yet to kind of see some major examples and organizations of that. <laughs> if I'm honest. Well, I wonder, just real quick observation, and, and then we'll hop into checkouts like we mentioned, but um, I wonder if part of it is, you know, organizations are a little more hesitant to do behind the scenes stuff because there can mm. be so much bureaucracy, especially at bigger companies, right? Where like, well, you can share that, but not this, or like, we can't really talk about that launch yet, or sure, talk about what you're working on as long as it's not secretive <laughs> or private, or we don't want other people to hear what we're doing before it's actually done, right? Like, so I wonder if there's that. But it also makes me curious if those of us in developer relations and community building can be sharing some of what we are doing. And maybe it's not coming from the company accounts, but it's coming from our personal accounts. And that allows us to connect with our community members, whether that's Instagram stories or vlogging as we're traveling or here's my day-to-day -day at the office. I know, um, Suze, uh, you work with her, Jason. Suze Hinton. Yeah. <laughs> um, she did a like day in the life of a developer advocate uh, video once and she did that along with her um, live streams and stuff that she does and I wonder if those types of things like us connecting us showing our day-to-day -day would would not only help with some of the what is developer relations who you know who is a developer advocate what do you do um, as well as opening up and kind of pulling that curtain back a little bit to show folks what some of the behind-the-scenes stuff is both personally as well as our jobs at our companies yeah, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a few aspects to that, isn't there? The, f the first one is confidentiality. Um, when you're talking about internally within an organization, realistically, very, very few things are confidential, right? They're only treated as confidential because the organization doesn't view itself as being transparent to itself. Right. Um, but actually, when you challenge that, there's very unlikely to be stuff that's confidential um, within there when, when, you're sharing, when you're sharing internally um, within an organization. Um, now, of course, that needs to be challenged and it needs someone to challenge that. Um, but realistically, there's not. One way you can get around that, and, and I do this, if I'm in a, a confidential conversation, of course, you're always talking to that other person and saying, do you mind if I record this? But what I do is I record just my side my comments back um, to that particular thing. So you might see the room, but the, the, the clips are only really taken of what I'm saying, because the stuff that they're saying is slightly confidential, but what I'm saying as a consultant is actually fairly universal and fairly broad. I can, I can take all of the, the, any specific business context out of that and I can just um, reflect that back in, in, the, in the general sense. Um, and you'd be surprised if you start thinking like that, you can actually create uh, quite a significant amount of content just from the conversations that you're having. Because uh, you'll find a lot of them aren't, aren't really um, that confidential, especially if your job is to consult other people. 
you're probably repeating the same stuff. Yeah. <laughs> sure, well, you get and that, and that definitely the same applies stuff to, over and over. Right. And that definitely right. applies to community teams and DevRel teams because essentially we are consultants within our own companies, right? Exactly. We are we are that connective tissue telling people, hey, here's the feedback, <laughs> here's what I'm getting, here's what we should be doing kind of a deal. And so I think demonstrating that across the various teams could come in handy for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then the next part is, of course, uh, you know, the fear of creating that content. Um, you know, people are worried about what's going to come down on them for creating that content. Um, you can just start off within your own team um, and be putting it out there. Um, it's going to take someone who's been going to be a little bit brave um, in this stuff to actually kind of put it out there and do it. Uh, people have the good thing about organizations in general is this stuff is not being done. So, your competition is incredibly low, almost to the point where it's non-existent, right? So if you're, the, if you're documenting stuff that you do and the conversations you have in your organization, you'll probably be one of maybe five people max in any size organization that's actually going about doing that, right? So your opportunity to make an impact is huge because there's no, you're not, it's not like YouTube when you're kind of pushing against millions of vloggers, right? You, you actually have an, uh, an opportunity to create a massive impact just within your organization doing what actually works. And people want to see what goes on in other people's jobs and around the rest of your organization. You know, they're interested in that. And the people that are interested are the people that will watch. Um, so oftentimes people worry that they're not interesting. That's one of the biggest pieces of feedback I get in my coaching sessions. I, oh, yeah, but Dan, who's going to find me interesting? It's like, well, it's not necessarily, it's not so much about whether you're interesting. It's about what you're talking about, whether you, what you're talking right. about is interesting. And it's not about what you're talking about is interesting to you. It's about what you're interested in talking to them. So I spoke to a sales guy on my podcast um, a few months ago. And he said, uh, he's about sort of, you know, 50 plus moving towards retirement. Um, and uh, he's saying to me, I, I spoke to a bunch of friends of mine. This is the first podcast that I've done. None of them are interested in any of this stuff that I'm talking about. Why would I, so why would I do it? And, and I spent about an hour with him trying to convince him to, to be on the podcast. Yeah. I said, well, no one around you is interested because they're all about to retire and they're, in the same, they're at the same level as you and at the same department as you. And they've all been through the journey and been with you that whole time, right? None of them are going to be interested. You're, they're not your target audience. A lot of the times, if you're passing on knowledge, you want to think of your target audience as significantly younger or significantly less skilled than you. And when you think of it that way, and then you compare that to your knowledge and your skill set, suddenly you've got something that actually a lot of other people would be really interested to do, right? I try, when, when I share this stuff, I don't think about other consultants, you know, being interested in what I'm talking about. I think about myself 10 years ago, you know, I think about 10 year ago, Dan, and I would say, if I was 10 year ago, Dan, would I be interested in this stuff? And I would say, yeah, very, because this is where I want to end up. Right. And that, that's kind of where you want to put, you just want to remember who are you bringing up and how are you bringing them up? That's your target audience. It's not the people directly around you. It's rarely the people directly around you. It's usually people, above or below you in some way. Awesome. This has been great stuff, Dan. Um, very timely for me. I was just telling Mary right before we started recording that uh, <clears throat> I'm about to hit the road for a three-week um, road trip in a camper awesome. van around western U.S. and I'm going to be doing some video blogging and uh, releasing content 
pretty much every day throughout the trip. And oh, yes. 18 days. So lots nice. of content. And uh, these are great tips um, for me, actually, to kind of think through as I'm starting to get ready for that trip. So thank you for being a, a guest on our show. Oh, it's always a pleasure to meet another person vlogging. Um, if, one, if there's one thing I would recommend for you, if, I, if there's a pro tip that I can leave you when it comes to vlogging, yeah. uh, first of all, have your camera with you out of your bag at all times. So I carry mine on my shoulder at all times, just because the difference between a camera being on your shoulder and the camera being in your bag is the difference between you being authentic or not, right? Because if it's mm. in your bag and you take it out, you've got to think, oh, something happened to me. Now I need to replay that scenario all over again and try and act like I acted at the time to try and kind of show people how I felt 30 seconds ago. And then the whole thing lacks spontaneity. Right, right. Uh, whereas if you have it on you right there, just if you can get into a habit of just carrying your camera with you or on your shoulder or whatever out, as soon as something happens, throw it up and hit that record, you're going to find that it resonates so much more because you're going to be in the moment emotionally. You're going to be in the moment when it actually happens instead of reflecting on the moment shortly after it happens. Right. Um, that's great. Great tips. Cool. Well, um, with the time that we have left, why don't we move on to uh, our checkouts? And so, Dan, um, I think we gave you just a little bit of heads up on this, but this is the part of the show at the end where we always kind of go around the horn and share one, two, three, whatever, whatever off the top of your head or uh, ideas you have in terms of things that you would like to let other people know, uh, listeners of our show, like doesn't have to be related to community necessarily. Um, it can be anything that you're interested in and, and um, that is sort of top of mind for you. So um, anyway, Mary, would you like to go first? Sure. Got, why not? Mind? Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I've got two things. Um, one is business related and one is a book that I'm excited to read that could be business related, but we'll see. Um, so those of you who know me know that for years I've used these little like almost three by five size little tiny notebooks um, to take notes in and partly because they're super easy to shove in a, in a back pocket and carry everywhere with me. Um, and I actually last year when I was starting my well, two years ago now, year and a half, whatever. Anyway, when I was starting my consulting, um, I swung by a Moleskine store in downtown San Francisco as a like, let me treat myself and get myself a nice notebook. And I wound up walking out with one of these, they're called Moleskine, Moleskine Pro Notebook. And it's this like project planning notebook that has a table of contents at the beginning and um, the layout on the page is, you know, a notes column, but there's a top piece where you can kind of like keep your action items and then a side column if you need to, uh, differentiate between conversations that you're happening during a conversation. And anyway, um, there's all these little different things that you can use to kind of personalize it to yourself. Um, and I finished that notebook and moved back to my small ones a few months ago and wound up actually going back to Moleskin and purchasing another one of the pro notebooks because I missed it so much. <laughs> uh, so I that's been huge. So many notebooks that right? have been like got 10 uh, pages filled out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they look so lovely and I never used them. Exactly. <laughs> it's, that's I, my bad. Well, and I've been in a similar boat where like, cool, this one's fantastic. And then it turns out not to be. Um, so I'm, I'm done buying them based on, on how they look. I'll stick stickers on them and make them look however I want them to look to make me happy later. But this, this is functional and I love it. Um, so that's my first one. 
Um, my second one is a book that I pre-ordered the other day. Um, it's not available till end of June, but I'm really looking forward to it. It's called Scoot Over and Make Some Room, Creating a Space Where Everyone Belongs. Um, and it's by a gal named Heather, Heather Avis. Um, and she's got three adopted children, two of whom have Down syndrome. And it's just, it's kind of an autobiography and also um, just really challenges people to listen and learn from everyone around us rather than only paying attention to the people that we're currently talking to. Um, so I'm guessing I'll learn a lot from that on the community building side of things, but I'm also really excited to, to read it from a, a personal standpoint and just learning from, learning from the people around us and the places that we're placed in. Excellent. Dan, do you have anything that you can share with us? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the three key people that are going to completely change the way you think about video. Awesome. Um, so, <laughs> so the first guy um, you need to check out is a guy called Peter McKinnon. Um, he has got, he, he's one of the fastest growing YouTubers ever, um, breakout YouTuber of the year. He's got 3 million subscribers in two years, I think it is. Um, he is, he is an unbelievably talented uh, videographer. Um, he literally just creates like cinema worthy YouTube videos. Um, but the thing that really resonates with him is, is authenticity he shows how blogging can be done and should be done how you can tell stories and how you can shine and be yourself and he is just completely you just what once you start watching his videos you're going to be like i need to watch more and more and more of this guy he's absolutely fascinating and really really authentic hmm. um and for me i did not get vlogging or video at all until for a long long time until i started watching him and then i was like i actually get this now i actually get how this could look I actually get what this could feel like and what this could do and how you could do it. Um, so that my first tip is, uh, is Peter. Um, my second tip um, is a friend of mine, a friend of mine, it's not a friend of mine, a friend of his called, um, God, I wish he was a friend of mine called um, Cody Wanner. So uh, D uh, W A N N E R. Um, he's a guy who, up and coming YouTuber, he's got 50,000 odd subscribers and he spends all of his time just trying to help people unlock their passions. He is just, uh, just a ball of energy, he's so happy and he's so driven and his whole channel is about just helping people into their passion. Um, he works as a separate consultant, you see behind the scenes stuff with him. <coughs> he did vlogging every single day for a whole year. He's just one of those people, he's just infectiously happy. Um, and he shows you the other side, the less produced, still very, very well done, but less produced, not like cinema producer like Peter. Um, and he shows you kind of how you would start and how you'll get into it. Um, and he's uh, super inspiring. And then the last guy um, is the legendary uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, who if you haven't heard of already, you will do because he's taking over the world. Um, but he is the uh, CEO of uh, VaynerMedia and um, a social media consultancy. He documents every single day of his life. Um, he is the most voracious poster. He shares every single conference that he does, which is basically two or three a day. He flies around the world. His life is absolutely epically intense. And he's quite a bolshy New Yorker, um, but he's very, very headstrong and he kind of tells it like, he, like it is. Um, and if you need someone to kind of cut through the... Uh, whatnot um he's very good to inspire you to do that um so not everyone's gonna like him um but once you start kind of tuning into what he's doing and just the scale 
that he does it at um, and the knowledge that he's passing on for free every single day, day in, day out, um, you're going to start to see what documenting looks like and the power of documenting. Yeah. Awesome. We'll have links to all those in the show notes per usual. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've got a few that uh, I'll suggest and mine are really um, not related to community whatsoever. Uh, But as I've been sort of planning for this trip, um, trying to plan out as much as I can, but also leave a lot of flexibility into just kind of, you know, off the cuff decide I want to camp over in this part of the state or wherever uh, it is that I may be. So a little bit of planning, but not going overboard. Um, But I found that there's been a couple of apps and a couple of websites and services that have been hugely helpful. One I just discovered, and I'm I'm embarrassed I didn't know about it sooner, is called hipcamp.com. There's also a really great app, uh, just hipcamp. Um, But I look at it, or I kind of think of it as like Airbnb for camping. So it includes all the the, um, stuff that you'll find on recreation.gov, all the like national forests and different campgrounds through there is is all uh, visible in there, but also people who just have space on their property and they they allow people to you know, post up and, and whether it's camp and tents or RVs or whatever you may have. Um, so it's a good way to connect and find all kinds of different campgrounds. So hip camp. And then there was two really great um, iPhone apps. I'm assuming they probably have Android as well, but one's called Overlander and one's called the dirt. And both of those are really great for trying to find camping spots uh, as well. And then the last one is actually a service I signed up for, which is really just kind of, uh, I wanted to give myself the opportunity for some maybe glamping a little bit, I guess. Maybe not really glamping per se, but just have a little bit nicer facilities one or two nights along this trip. Um, so I signed up for this uh, service called Harvest Hosts, which actually connects you with a lot of wineries and different um, you know, golf courses and different places like that uh, along your route too. And you can um, camp out there or you know, pull your van in like I'm planning to. So anyway, those are just kind of four different apps and services that have been hugely helpful for me as I've been planning this big DevOps road trip event. Um, and that's are you going to be posting those videos publicly? Yeah, so I'll plan on, um, uh, everything's going to be a lot live or I guess living on devopsroadtrip.com, but uh, nice. I'll have an Instagram account, both mine and a separate one. Um, and then I'll be doing a ton of stuff on Twitter too. So I'm kind of sorting through my content calendar right now uh, to figure out where I'm going to be and how much I can commit to posting and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm hoping to, that's why I said this is very timely because I'm, I'm starting to think through, you know, what, what do I want to do here and, and how, how much can I do also in a lot of cases, cause I probably won't have service, um, you know, uh, and for long periods of time. Yeah, I mean, I would just just as a sort of a, a thought around it. Yeah, consider the workflow. Yeah. Try try it out for a day or so before you commit to. I've made this mistake, you know, saying I'm going to post every single day or, or doing stuff. That, you know, and then you realise the workflow is really long. Um, yeah. So yeah, find out what the workflow is and then just post accordingly for that workflow so that people can join you in a consistent mm-hmm. basis. And um, I think it's going to be, it may vary, you know, every, every once in a while, like yeah. I may have a, a big queue of a bunch of content I'm ready to like quote post, but because I haven't had service for the last two days, I'll finally make it into some, you know, into some small town with a, a coffee shop where I can actually <laughs> post up and do some work. And, and uh, I'm hoping also have some blogs and some content pre-written and then just pre-schedule it through buffer nice. um, so that it'll just go out when it's, you know, when it's supposed to. So anyway, I'm trying to think through all that stuff right now. So this has been an awesome, awesome, uh, awesome uh, conversation and very timely for, for me. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, I look forward to seeing all of that. 
Yeah, awesome. Well, uh, Mary, you want to take us out? Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Dan. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to see you again. Congratulations on the book, by the way. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, before we wrap up here, where can folks find more information about you and track the projects that you're involved in? Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, at I'm Dan Thomas everywhere. Amazingly, I found a handle that's everywhere. Um, so at I'm Dan Thomas is where I'm at uh, everywhere or the website, I'm Dan Thomas.com. Uh, or my podcast, which is the Dan Thomas Experience uh, podcast. But if you check out the website, I've just started a new thing, which is my 15-minute fix. Um, so it's 15-minute coaching sessions with me. You pick the time and the day out of the calendar, and we do a coaching session together. Um, and if you're happy for that to be shared, you can book time with me for 15 minutes, and then those coaching sessions will be shared out so other people, so other people can benefit from those quick sessions. So whatever problem that you have whether it's a personal blocker whether it's a work blocker whether you've got career aspirations or whether you just want to move into content or whether you've just got questions i've always found the best way to resolve those is to talk it out loud with someone who's listening um, and you'll get to a resolution um, so yeah book me for a uh, 15 minute coaching session and uh, let's get whatever you're doing up and running awesome thanks so much and thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we'll have the after pulse for this posted up in another week or so. And then join us again next month for more content. This has been another episode of the Community Pulse podcast. Find us on Twitter at community underscore pulse, online at communitypulse.io, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'll see you next time.